Hey, I'm Darren, and I'm one of the pastors here at Focus, and, and I'll tell you what, I just have, we're in our extended summer series called Name Droppers, and I have loved this series so much. Anybody, anybody really taking something amazing away during this series? Come on, now, it's been so great, and the reason why we've taken so much time in this is because it's a, a driving principle that we've had over this summer is saying that God cares more about your future than he does about your past. Can I get an amen? Not that he doesn't care about your past, but he brings a healing and redemption from your past. He's not holding your past against you, so don't hold your past against yourself. We're going to get past our past and ready for the amazing future that God has for us. A future that is exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever imagine. How many of you believe that God has a future for you that is exceedingly and abundantly more than you can imagine? Now, I don't know about you, but I can imagine a lot, right? But now here's the key with this, is that many times for us that when we think about a future that God has in store for us, more than we could ever imagine, exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever imagine, many times for us, we imagine the American dream. Oh, God must have a bigger house in store for me. God must have a better car in store for me. He's got something that's powerful. And what we're doing in those moments is that we're asking God to bless our plan. Instead of saying, God, just, I just want to be in your plan. Put me inside. Your will be done and not mine. Come on now. That's a future. And that's what God has in store for us. For us to be able to completely trust him. And then all of a sudden, see that future unfold. Just walk in his will and begin to see a future that is exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever imagine. That's the future that God has for you. I believe it with everything inside of me. And so what we're doing is that we're preparing ourselves for that kind of future. We're learning from the past. We're learning from other people's past to prepare for our future. That's what we're trying to do through this. Now, what, what I've done, uh, kind of a, a way to open up each of these messages, is I've, I've kind of shared some, some funny chance encounters that I've had with some, with some famous people, right? Well, well, there's something that's a little different about that. Those are chance encounters. Those aren't encounters that I'm trying to seek out because I had a, I had a pastor say to me this one time, a, a great pastor sitting down having a conversation uh, Pastor Peter Haas in, in Minnesota, and, and, uh, and he was sitting there talking about, we're talking about mentors, we're talking about our dreams, we're talking about the plans that God has for us, and, and he, made, he made one statement that's been a driving force for me for quite a while. He said, here's what you, you want to be able to accomplish your dreams? If you want to see these things come to fruition, he said, here's what you need to do. You need to surround yourself with people who have already accomplished your dream." Surround yourself with people who are already living it out. You want to be able to, you want to be a great husband? Find people that you admire and you can say, you know what, I want to raise my kids like that. And then surround yourself with people like that. You want to write a book? Find somebody who has already done it before or already done it 10 times and then learn from them. And, and man, I'll tell you what, when, that, when he said that to me, it, it just struck a chord. I need to start to surround myself with people who are already doing what I dream of doing. And so, so for the past couple of years, my wife and I, we've just been on a journey of doing just that thing, of surrounding ourselves with people who are doing what we dream of doing. 
Not chance encounters with famous people, but people that we admire and that we say, you know what, that's the journey, that's the place that we want to go. And so what we've done in just, just even this year, I want to show you a couple of the names of the people that have truly impacted us. And some of them, some of them have even given us the blessing of the possibility of even impacting them as well. And this is what we have found in a place called ARC, Association of Related Churches, which our church is part of. And these are some of the names of pastors and their wives that have impacted us tremendously. You see Christian Aranza, Gary Brugman, Michael Brusek, Mike Burnett, Robbie Emery, Marcus Ingold, Wayne Francis, Bruce Hall, Troy Hartman, Johnny Hill, Ray Heinz, Justin Jenkins, Jacob Jester, Fossey Kimbaya, Corey Leak, Adam Magia, Adam Martino, Yuri, come on, Yuri, somebody. Man, doing a powerful work in Florida. John McKenzie, Justin Meese, Benny Perez, Welby Pierce, Nate Puccini, Dino Rizzo, Jimmy Rollins, John Siebling, Chris Shandro, and Daniel Voss, my good friend, down at Queen Creek. Come on, somebody. These are people who are doing what we already dream of doing. If God has a dream inside of your heart, and there's a plan in front of you, you need to surround yourself with people who are already doing what you dream of doing. Man, I just threw some names out at you, didn't I? That wasn't just one. See, each week we've been talking about, each week we've been talking about just one specific person in Scripture, and we've been, we've been learning from their past to prepare us for our future. But today I threw a whole bunch of names at you, and in Scripture we're going to look at a passage, not one that you might have heard us preach about too often, Maybe one that you've even skipped over as you're reading through a Bible plan or something like that. But we're going to look at a big list of names found in Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 23, and rolling all the way until verse 38. And it starts off by saying this. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. Now that's important, right? Because he was kind of like the stepson. Yeah, he, he had a heavenly father. He didn't have an earthly father. He was an adopted son. And that's a powerful thing. And then all of a sudden, we start to see it flow. And this is what is called a genealogy. And we begin to look at all of the people who came before Jesus. Before Jesus, his dad was who? Joseph, the son of Heli. And then all of a sudden, we just continue on through this thing. The son of Joseph, the son of Matthias. And now here's the thing about Here's the thing about genealogies is that sometimes, sometimes when you're doing your reading plan, like in the middle of the night, you get to a genealogy and you're like, oh, it's a great time for me to be able to just go to sleep right now, right? The other thing, I think the reason why we don't hear it uh, preached about too often in scripture is because we don't want to have, I'll tell you what, as a pastor, I don't want to get up here and make a fool of myself trying to pronounce all these names. Come on now, right? Like, so what we're going to do is we're just going to look at all of these people, the son of Joseph, and then continue on, and the son of Jonan, and the son of Elizer, and then we continue on, the son of Jorim, and the son of Nathan, and then this is a powerful one, the son of David, the son of Jesse, right? There's some big ones on here, the son of Judah, and the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, and the son of Abraham, the son of Shem, you know Shem, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, right? So you know the next one, the son of Noah. And then we start getting even closer to the very beginning, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, and the son of God. It's the genealogy 
of Jesus. Many times we just skip over this because we think, oh, what do I gotta, what do I need to learn from this? What, what do I need to know, Matthias, right? Like, how's that going to impact me? Well, there was, a, there was a missionary who was a linguist, and, and he would go into these smaller tribes, and he'd learn their language, and then he would translate the gospel into their language so that they could have, they could have the Bible. Powerful, right? Well, the first time that he did this, he went to this small tribe and learned their language, and he begins to translate Scripture. Well, he wants to go to some of the powerful he wants to go to some of the powerful passages, right? Like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So instead of going from the beginning, Matthew, and then working his way through, he just said, I'm going to get the powerful ones, and then I'm going to go back to some of the, the lesser known ones later on. And the last one that he hit was the genealogy. And then all of a sudden, as he wrote the genealogy down, all of a sudden, this small tribe, they said, wait a second. Do you mean to say that Jesus is a real person? So they heard about this and they thought it was just a story. But the first thing that we know when we look at, at a genealogy and what we can see is that these are actual people. These are people who lived and worked. They had relationships. They had joy and they had hardship just like you and me. These people walked this earth. Which means this, that Jesus is an actual person, just like you and me. That he, understa he understands you. He understands what it's like to go through hardship. He understands what it's like to have some relationship drama, you know? Like, can we just chill out? In fact, Jesus went through some relationship drama, and then he'd just be like, I'm, I'm going out to the mountainside by myself and pray about y'all, you know, that's... That's what he did. He understood what it was like. He understands your joy. He understands your struggles. He's been through it before. He understands you. And here's, here's the amazing thing about this. Is that he understands us so well. And then he still loves us so much. See, I don't know about you, but there's many times when I think to myself, just keep that thought to yourself. Like... <laughs> And if I keep it to myself, then nobody knows about it. But Jesus already knows about it. He knows you inside and out. And he still accepts you. He loves you so much that Romans 5, 8 says this, that God demonstrated his own love. That while we were still sinners, come on now. He loves you so much. He's not saying, if you want to come have a relationship with me, then you need to get your act straightened out. No, he just says, I love you so much that come to me as you are, just as you are. Because even before, even before you accepted me, I accepted you. His will is, is that nobody will perish, but everybody will have everlasting life. He loves you just as you are. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That gives me hope for a future. That gives me I feel so much love because it's not just a love that is lip service. It is a love that is demonstrated. God demonstrated his love for us. And my hope for you today is that at some point that there's going to be a moment inside of your life where you're going to experience that love of Jesus today. He loves you. so. He was a real person that walked this earth. And he loves you so much just as you are that he gave his life for you 
and for me. Come on now, that is a powerful thing for us to realize. But see, the thing about a genealogy, the thing about a genealogy is that it's not just a list of people. What the other thing that we look at is that it's not just a list of people, it's a list of stories. It's a list of lives that were lived. And so it's not just a genealogy. In fact, what it is, it's a legacy. It's a legacy that is lived out. A legacy that we can look back upon and say, man, he was the son of David, a great king, a man after God's own heart, a son of Abraham, the father of our faith, a legacy that is left behind. And so today what I want to be able to do is I want to look at that genealogy and I want to see it through the eyes of a legacy. What can we learn from that genealogy? What can we learn from the lives that were lived right there? And then how can we apply it to our lives? What does a legacy teach us and what does a legacy show us? Well, the first thing that we want to do is when we see a legacy, the son of somebody, is it helps us realize where you come from, right? It helps you realize where you come from. The son, Jesus was the son of a carpenter. And so he began to learn to work with wood, not realizing, or maybe some people didn't realize that the greatest work that he was going to do was hanging on a piece of wood, right? That we understand where we come from. I've got this uh, in my office. I have this, this shelf that I have up in my office, and, and it, I call it my legacy shelf. And, and what I do is I look at that legacy shelf, I'm telling you, probably daily, to be able to, to glean from it and understand some things. Number one is where I come from. I want to know where I come from. So just this, uh, just this past uh, summer, it was my dad's birthday, he turned 75 years old, and, and Jenny and I were out looking for uh, a birthday present. Uh, for what do you get somebody who's 75 like they they already got everything right you know in fact they've got so much stuff that they have a storage unit to be able to they got to pay rent for stuff right some of you know what I'm talking about because that's you right <laughs> and so what do you get what do you get somebody I don't know and and so we're looking through this and trying to think of it and we we ran across uh we ran across this pennant an Iowa Hawkeyes come on somebody college football starting this next weekend can I get an amen on that one I got two of them. That's what I figured, right? We're excited about the Hawkeyes kicking off in six days in my house. And, and so we got him this Iowa Hawkeye pennant uh, from the early 1980s. And, uh, and when I gave it to my dad, what I told him, I said, hey, dad, because um, he loves the Hawkeyes too. And I said, hey, dad, uh, the thing, I, I wanted to get you this um, because I wanted to let you know that, that the Iowa Hawkeyes for us in, in our house um, it's not just because it's a, a, a great football team. In fact, most of the time it's not. Just eight and five, you know, or eight and four. Anybody who knows what I'm talking about, like that's just what it is all the time. And, and just mediocrity. And, but I said, it's not just about the love of a football team. It's because I remember, I remember going to the black and gold practice games, scrimmage games with you. That you took me to those things and you would take me around the Hawkeyes. And so for me, the Iowa Hawkeyes, it's not about rooting for a team. It's about rooting for my heritage and my family. And I said, Dad, I just want to say, whenever I watch the Hawkeyes, I'm thinking about you, and I just want to love, I love you so much. And you know, he gets all choked up in a moment like that. And, and then he tells me, he said, hey, have I ever told you, have I ever told you how I fell in love with the Hawkeyes? And I was like, in my mind, I'm thinking, uh, 
I just figured because we grew up in Iowa and there was nothing else to do there, right? Like, ain't nothing in Iowa, right? Like, and so he said, no, uh, he said, what it was for me uh, is that he grew up on the farm. My, my grandfather was a, a farmer, and, and so he grew up on the farm, and he said, what, he said, what your grandfather would do is that, is that every Saturday, he said, we would, we would go into the barn, and we'd begin to milk the cows, and we'd be listening. We'd be listening to the Iowa games on a radio, just like this. And he said, he said what, what that began to do is it instilled in me a love for the Hawkeyes because I got to do that with my dad. And I, and I said, you know, all of a sudden things began to, to kind of open up a little bit more because the thing I know about my dad is my dad is an incredibly hard worker. He is dedicated. He's going to put his hands down and he's going to get some stuff done, right? And at 75, I'm even telling him like, dad, you need to slow down, right? Like, stop taking care of a pool. You don't need to do that anymore. Oh, it's so hot, I'm about ready to pass out because of a pool. Well, stop doing it. You're 75 years old. But he's a hard worker who enjoys life. And all of a sudden, I realized that, that what my grandfather was doing in that moment wasn't just passing down a love for the Hawkeyes. He was passing down a heritage of being able to work hard and enjoy life at the exact same time. And so this radio right here, what that represents to me is a legacy that was passed on to another generation and then to a third generation and then to a fourth generation as we're trying to do that. You work hard and you enjoy life because you're a nibbling. It's powerful, powerful things that we have when we look at where we have come from. When we look at where we have come from, we need to understand. It's not just a genealogy. It's a legacy that we have. But that's not the only thing that's on there. See, my, my other grandfather passed away when he was, uh, he was 96 years old. And when he passed away, they were going through all of his stuff, and, and they ran across this, this old tobacco tin. Why do, we, why do we have a tobacco tin? My, my grandfather didn't. He didn't have tobacco one day in his life. Like, he's the most godly man. He's never, I've never heard him say a bad word to anybody. And, I mean, he, he was just the nicest person. Like, I was like, what? why does he have this tobacco tent? And everybody was asking the same thing when they were going through his stuff. And so what they did is, is they said, well, let's open it up and see what's inside of it. And they opened it up, and, and you can see all of these handwritten letters that are inside of there. And it's not just handwritten letters. What's inside of this are handwritten sermons that my grandfather wrote in the 1930s. Come on, right? Don't ever expect me to preach one because they're not that good. <laughs> Grandpa, I want to I see the ones from the 40s that you did a little work on, man. <laughs> we enjoy life. That's what we do. But it's not just what that is. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's a legacy of a man who wanted to follow after God with everything inside of him. A legacy of giving God your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind, your entire being over to God. And that's what this little tobacco tin reminds me of is that I have a legacy of people who wanted to work hard. I have a, pay, a legacy of people who wanted to just enjoy life. I have a legacy of saying that there is nothing that will hold me back from going after Jesus with everything I have. A legacy to know 
where you came from. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that my grandparents left a legacy like this. I'm so thankful that my, my grandfather, he did not play around when it came to being, he did not play around when it came to following after God. He did not mess around. And I think too many times that we live in a culture today that we've bought into a little bit of a lie. We live in a culture today, we live in a culture today that, that we've bought into a little bit of something that is opposite of what Scripture teaches us. See, Proverbs 22, 6 that I just said today says this, start your children off. Start them off, what? On the way they should go. Start them off in the way they should go. And then when they're older, they're not going to depart from it. See, and what we've done, what we've done is we've bought into the lie that culture says that says, you know what? You need to find your own way. You find your own path. Whatever makes you happy, you just go ahead. You just do that. Just go ahead and find your own way to God because all, all roads lead to God, right? No, Jesus says that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So as for me and my house, and my house, we will serve the Lord. You living in my house, you don't have a choice in the matter. You're living in my house, you're going to get your rear end to church. Come on now. You don't have a choice in the matter. Because I'm going to start them off on the right way. And then at some point, they're going to choose their way. At some point, I know that there's going to be some bumps along the road. I know that there's going to be some deviations that come here and there. And some detours of life. But I know that when they're older, <laughs> they will not depart from it. Leave a legacy for your generation. Leave a legacy for your children. Leave a legacy for the children that are even coming after them. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Well, I'm just not sure about this. You can ask that question later on because you're still going to be there. That's all there is to it. Don't give in to that lie. Leave a legacy, hard work, enjoy life, but most importantly, a legacy of following after Jesus. What a legacy teaches us is where we come from. Where we come from. Where do you come from? The next thing that we learn from a legacy is that, is that all of a sudden we begin to understand who we are. When I look at a legacy, I begin to understand who I am. Why, why do I love the Hawkeyes so much? Man, I had generations that were coming before me, right? I didn't have a choice in the matter. I bleed black and gold. It's in my DNA, right? I, I have a generation of saying that you don't have a choice. You're going to work hard. I, I know inside of me who God is because my parents raised me up that way, because their grandparents raised them up that way, right? I know who I am. One of the things that I am is that when I look at my genealogy, uh, and, and the legacy that I come from is that, is that I, I'm 100% Dutch, so, which is really wild. You know, like how many people in America today have a, a, a heritage that goes all the way back to one, right? We're all, most of y'all mutts. Oh, some purebred up in here. Come on now. <laughs> so messed up. But the great thing about this is that, is that when I look at that legacy, 
that the generations that came before me, that, that they came from Holland, uh, then, and they, when they immigrated, uh, I'm third generation immigrant on my, my dad's side and fourth generation on my mom's side. I'm so thankful that we live in a land of immigrants. Come on now. I don't know where you stand upon that and that political thing because some of you are like, oh my goodness, I feel, I'm uncomfortable. We all, we all are, right? Can we, let's get in, let's just have that idea that we have all immigrated here, right? Some Native Americans are like, I don't think so. <laughs> Thank you for your hospitality. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I love it so much. And, and so when I look at that heritage, I know that heritage because it was instilled inside of me. Another thing that I have up on, on my shelf is to know who I am is I, I, have a pair, I have a pair of wooden shoes. Wooden shoes, man. They wear wooden shoes in Holland. You think that's the dumbest idea in the entire world, right? Well, they, they had to because the, you know, the uh, land is so far lower than, than sea level, and so they would flood out all the time in leather shoes in the middle of water. That's not going to do well, so get yourself some wooden shoes, and you're going to be all right. So what we would do when I was a younger, when I was a younger kid is that uh, my family comes from a city called uh, Pella, Iowa. Pella windows, anybody? That's where they're made, all right? And, uh, and, and it's an entire Dutch community. So they all, like, like, they came from Holland, and then they all moved to Iowa. Man, what were they thinking, right? <laughs> but it's this Dutch community that's there, and they would have this festival once a year in the middle of the, the spring called Tulip Time. Tulips are a big deal in Holland, right? And so they would have this festival. It's called Tulip Time. And, and then what everybody would do is they would dress up in their old Dutch heritage costumes and celebrate this festival and this is how I grew up doing that, just right there. I'm the little guy in the blonde hair. How cute is that, right? And see, here's the thing is that what would happen is that not only were we wearing this, I love my dad's perm right there. He does not have naturally curly hair. Some of y'all remember the 70s with fondness and your, and your perm, don't you? Right? And, my, and so anyway, we would dr get dressed up like this and, and we would wear these shoes. These are actually my shoes from when I was a little guy just like that. And, and when these shoes came out, like for five seconds, I was excited because you get to <laughs> clomp around the house and it makes lots of noise. And then at the sixth second, you realize these things hurt. <laughs> I do not want to wear these things. No joke, the top of your foot right there would just feel like you're breaking bones. It was just the worst thing ever. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to push that away. It's probably the reason why I love sneakers so much right now, man. Team comfy all the way, right? I don't need to try and hurt my feet. Some of y'all ladies are just you're grinning through the pain right now, aren't you? But these shoes are so cute. Forget that business. And so when I would see those shoes come out, I'd get excited for a second, and then I would get all upset, and I would want to push things away. I would want to get rid of discomfort. And I believe that we live, I believe that we live in a culture where people are constantly searching, constantly questioning, constantly trying to push away from pain because they don't know who they are. When you don't know who you are, you are constantly asking questions. When you don't know who you are, you don't have 
You don't have an internal moral compass to guide you. You are constantly searching, going this way and that way because you simply don't know who you are. I can tell you who I am. I can tell you that I can go through discomfort because I know who I am. And you know who I am? John 1, 12 says this, Yet all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Come on, somebody. You know the legacy that, that I live out is that I know who I am, and I am a son of the Most High. I am a child of the creator and sustainer of the universe. That when I say yes to Jesus, that I become a co-heir with Christ. I know who I am. And because I know who I am, it helps me in the choices that I have in life. There is a guiding force that I am pushing towards because I know who I am. When you don't know who you are, you are constantly searching. You're going from this way to that way. That you have one relationship to another relationship. You go from job to job and you're constantly looking for the one thing that will make you happy. You know it to be true. You could be that person or you know somebody exactly like that. Because they don't know who they are. When you know who you are, you know the direction that you're going. Jesus' genealogy went back to being the son of God. My genealogy goes back to being a son of God. I know who I am. And when I know who I am, I can face discomfort. I can face a little bit of pain. Because I know that Jesus says that the joy set before him that he endured the cross. The joy set before him he endured the cross because he knew who he was and he knew the purpose that he had in front of him to save you and me. I know who I am and I know the direction that I'm going. Right. Not my will, but your will be done. See, Matthew 17, or Matthew 7 says, it says, choose the narrow road. Choose the narrow gate. Because I'm going to tell you what, there are too many people that are going to choose the wide and the easy path. The narrow way, not too many people follow that one. It's going to be a little bit harder for you. It's going to be difficult for you. But choose the narrow road. Choose the narrow gate because it leads to life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have the same result that everybody else is having. I don't want to have broken relationships. I don't want to be able to have uh, my kids resent me for things that I've said and done inside of their life. I don't want to have a wife that is, is constantly looking at me and questioning who I am. I don't want to have finances that are a wreck all the time. I want to be able to follow the principles of God. I'm going to choose the narrow road. You want to know why I'm going to choose the narrow road? Because I know who I am. I'm a son of God. A genealogy shows me that. My genealogy doesn't stop with some people that, that just lived a, a hundred years ago. It goes all the way back to God. Who are you? Do you know? Do you know who you are? Or do you find yourself constantly searching, constantly questioning? Or do you know who you are? I hope you do. I know who I am. I'm a son of the most high. Come on, somebody. 
And then what it does is that we understand where we came from. We understand who we are. And then that leads us, if we know who we are, then it leads us to the last thing. And it's a question that we need to ask ourselves. So what kind of legacy will I leave? What kind of legacy will I leave behind? See, the legacy that I have from my grandfather is a, he's a hard worker, enjoys life at the exact same time. Love life. Like get your tail working, right? You, you love Jesus with everything inside of you, and you lead your family in that way. I know, I know the sacrifices that they made to get to that place. I know what it was like for them to be able to make some sacrificial choices so that they could leave that legacy behind. So then that needs, leads me to the question of, well, then what kind of legacy will I leave? So I have this legacy shelf, radio, who I am. And then the last thing that I have on, on my shelf is, is this finger painting. A finger painting that, that my oldest son did when he was three years old. On a Father's Day that my, my wife presented this to me and, and this finger painting at the bottom of it, his name is Jude, and so it says this. It says Jude 1-2, which is, love be yours in abundance. Powerful, right? So cool for me to be able to, to have this little silly kind of canvas that's right there that is incredibly powerful. Because this legacy shelf isn't just about where I came from and who I am. This legacy shelf is about what I'm going to leave behind. The big choices that you make in life, they determine a legacy that you have. I can't imagine what it was like for, for my ancestors to be able to say, you know what, we're going to move from this country to a brand new country where we, we don't even know anybody. We're going we're gonna to make a... Your, the big choices that you make, they have a major impact on the legacy that you're going to leave behind. But it's not just the big choices that we make. It's the small daily choices too. It's the small little things. Because those small daily choices that we make, those are the things that create a habit. And those are the things that help us when those big choices come along. Your choices matter. Every single day, how are you living your life? Because you're leaving a legacy right now, whether you think about it or not. At the end of your days, what are people going to say about you? What are people going to remember you by? Because you might not be thinking about it, but you're leaving a legacy right now. At this moment, the choices that you make every single day, so the question that I have for you is, what kind of legacy are you leaving? See, the thing that's powerful about these genealogies that we see in Scripture, those are some amazing names that were listed on there. We saw powerful names, some of those names that we know immediately, some other names were like, man, I, I would love to be in that line, right? But what's powerful about the genealogies that we see in, see in Scripture, it's not just the names that are listed, it's also the names that were left off. Because we read through that and it said the, the son of. But in the Hebrew language and tradition that they would cause gaps 
in a genealogy, that there were gaps in a generation because it was somebody who was a weak link in the chain. It doesn't just mean a son of a person. It can be a grandson of. It can be a skip another generation. It's not just the names that were listed. It's the names that are left off. Are you living a life that you will be listed? Or are you living a life that you'll be left off? It's depending on the choices that you make every single day. What kind of legacy are you leaving? What kind of legacy are you living? There's some of you in here today, you even think back to, you're like, I, I, I would never have a radio from my grandfather. I would never have, I would never have sermons from a grandfather grandmother my legacy the genealogy that I have that people have left me it'd be full of pain and hurt I don't even know what it is because we just have so much brokenness there's a legacy of addiction that flows in my family it's great for you but I just have hurt and pain destructive relationship, destructive habits. Well, I have hope for you. And hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And you don't have to be stuck in that pain anymore. You don't have to be stuck in that tradition anymore because just as the choice for you to be able to follow or for me to be able to follow in the footsteps of my grandfathers, you have a choice in front of you today to start your own legacy by just simply saying yes to Jesus. And then he... He creates in us the ability to be overcomers. Overcomers of a legacy of hurt. Overcomers of a legacy of abuse. Overcomers a legacy of addiction. That's who my God is. That's who my Jesus is. And so you can make the choice today to say, you know what? We're going to start this thing brand new. We're going to start a brand new family tree going forward that has Jesus at the center of it all. That today might be the day where you don't just choose to change your life. You choose to change generations that come after you. To change your children and to be able to change your grandchildren because of the choice that you make today. A big choice, which I can tell you that's the biggest choice of all, is to be able to say yes to Jesus. Because are you living a life that's going to be listed or left off? Because there's another book. There's another list of names that is the most powerful book and the most powerful list that you could be on. And it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And at the end of our days, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, at the end of our days, each and every single one of us are going to be able to face our Creator. And the only thing that He's going to simply ask us is this, what did you do with my son Jesus? Did you say yes or no? And if you say yes... Your name is already in that book. And you've, what you've done is you have RSVP'd to the greatest party that ever will be and that will continue on for eternity. It is called eternal life with Jesus. And you just simply say yes in this moment. And you are going to be listed. So my question for you today is are you going to be listed or are you going to be left off? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.
That's the choice that I make today. Church, would you please stand with me right now? I'm going to ask you to just kind of just take this moment right now and just begin to think about where you have come from. Think about where you have come from. Is it, is it an incredible legacy where you look back at your parents and your grandparents and, and the choices that they made to sacrifice to get you to where you are right now? And you can be thankful of that. You know who you are. And you can follow in that direction. Or is it something that you look and you say, you know, I've followed in the direction of, of all of those people that came before and it's just full of hurt and addictions and pain and brokenness. Today's a choice for all of you. It's a choice that each of us makes. The biggest choice that we can make and the daily choice is to say yes to Jesus. And so if you're in here today, and you want to be able to change a direction, your direction, the direction of generations that come after you. And today is the day that you want to be able to say yes to Jesus. I'll just ask that you raise your hand up right now. Just raise it up in boldness and say, I'm going to live a life that I will be listed. I'm not going to be left off. I say yes to you today, Jesus. Let me know who I am and where I've come from so that I can follow after you with everything inside of me. I say yes to you in a powerful way. I change me. Make me new. And ch change generations that come after me. Come on, church. Can we praise him right now?